Uh, I'm very, very excited tonight. I'm very excited about what God is going to do. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Benji. Uh, I'm 28 years old. I'm from West Auckland. If you don't know where that is, it's like the west part of Auckland. <laughs> I got told to say that joke. Uh, I'm very, very excited about tonight. I have what I think is the best job in the world. Uh, if I'm ever in the office, I get to sit uh, next to Pastor Scott, opposite Pastor Leela. You can always tell the mornings when they've had a fight on the way to work. <laughs> Leela's computer screen moves a little bit, so she can't see Scott. Those are good mornings. Uh, if I'm ever not in the office, uh, I, get, I've, I think I've got one of the greatest jobs in the world. I get to speak to teenagers. I'm in high schools um, most of the year now. Uh, I just had my sixth week on tour with some amazing volunteers doing Revolution Tour, which many of you would have heard about. Uh, I love speaking to teenagers. The reason I love speaking to teenagers is because for me, my teenage years were equally the most exciting and confusing time of my life. I'm sure some of you might relate. And your teenage years, uh, you're figuring things out, you're becoming independent of your parents, you're starting to think, act for yourself, which is why I love talking to teenagers, um, because everything is just brand new. When you get to high school, you start to learn how to remake friends, social connections, social relationships. When you're a kid in kindergarten, it's so easy. You just throw a ball at a kid, like, want to be my friend? Yes. Like that, it's that easy to make friends. When you get to high school, you're making friends based on what they like, what you like, where they're going, where you're going, how much money you can scab off them for the canteen and lunch, things like that, right? We're making friends based on these things. Uh, if you haven't caught it yet, that it's the most confusing and exciting time of life, you'll catch it on this one. It's that time of life where you're figuring out what you want to do. When you're a kid, you know exactly what you want to do in life. You'll walk up to your dad and be like, Dad, I want to be an all black. Mom, I want to be a paramedic. Dad, I want to be a fireman. When you get to high school years, you go from home from high school, you're like, Dad, I want to be a fire truck. Like, life is just confusing. <laughs> it's exciting, it's confusing. If you haven't caught it yet, you'll catch it on this one. It's your high school years. The reason I love speaking to high school students is because it's in our high school years that we are learning and trying a bunch of new things. When I got to high school, I tried a whole bunch of different sports. I tried basketball, soccer, rugby, softball. I'll never forget trialing for soccer. At the end of the soccer practice, they put me as goalie. I walked up to the captain, I said, Cap. Did you put me in goal because I got real good hand-eye coordination and reflexes? He's like, no, nah, we put you in goal because you take up most of it. <laughs> that was the first time I ever encountered bullying. I ate him. <laughs> I was a good goalkeeper. <laughs> Almost a clean sheet. Oh, yeah. No, not many goals got passed. I, I love playing sports and I love trying new things on the field. But I also love learning new things in class. And I learned a whole lot of stuff in high school that I would never use later in life. Some of you might relate. Things like algebra, <laughs> geometry, personal hygiene, just pointless things, right? <laughs> I had a friend when I got to high school, he said, Benji, you gotta learn French. I said, why should I learn French? He goes, because there's lots of pretty girls at your school. I was like, okay, but why learn French? He said, because it's the language of love. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. I took French year nine, year 10, year 11, year 12, year 13, five years of French, five hours a week. By the time I left high school, I could pretty much speak French fluently. Since leaving school, have I ever spoken, have I ever been to France? No. Have I ever had to speak French? No. What a waste of time. Well, I, I did do it once. When I was dating Esther, uh, we spent five or six months dating. Uh, I really had to do some groundwork to win her over based on how she knew me beforehand. Uh, that's a story for another night. Um, and we were, we were going on a date one time, and I thought, oh, now's my chance to impress her. So I turned to her in the car one night as we were on our way to a date. And I just turned to her, I was like, Bonjour, mademoiselle. Comment ça va aujourd'hui? Je veux dire qu'il est de frais, je veux play. Pendant très longtemps, j'étais à de toi. 
She turned back to me without a word of lie and said, don't ever talk like that again. <laughs> That was the day I found out there's two types of French. There's sexy French, which is like, pendant très longtemps, je t'aimerais de toi. Then there's creepy French, which is like, bonjour. <laughs> and because I was younger, my voice was a bit higher. <laughs> a little bit creepier. It's an exciting and it's a confusing time of life. If you haven't caught it yet, you'll catch it on this one, that your high school years were the most exciting and confusing time of life. It's where girls, you go from like, hey, he's got kitties, to, mmm, he's a cutie, right? Boys are going from like, ooh, don't touch me, to please hold my hand, right? Like, it's an exciting and confusing time of life. And the reason I particularly love speaking to high school students is because for me, at this time of life, when I was navigating these things, what it's like to be a teenager, what it's like to learn new things and be, go through puberty and become independent, uh, I was also asking myself a bunch of questions. And some of those questions uh, were things like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How am I going to get there? When's it going to happen? Who's going to be there with me? Will I get through this? And while I was asking myself these questions, I realized I didn't always have the answers. And I did learn as I grew up, sometimes life throws you curveballs, and, and you don't always get a say in how those things eventuate. But what I love to tell teenagers, what you do have a say in now is the type of person you're going to be when you get to where you want to go. And it starts with the decisions we make today, and I love the opportunity tonight to speak to us, because I'm 28 years old now, and... On the regular, I'm asking myself questions like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How am I going to get there? When's it going to happen? Who's going to be there with me? Will I get through this? But I've just got to remember all the time, in and amongst all of that, life is throwing stuff at us. God is shaping who you are. And how you respond to those things determines the type of person you are going to be. What type of person are you going to be? How are you going to change the world? This is our mission here in life as the church. We are here and we exist for one sole purpose. It's to change the world. It's to turn things around. You're not at uni for just your degree. You're there to turn that place around. You're not in your workplace just to earn a wage. You're there to turn that place around. You don't just go to school for just because you're meant to go to school and that's what your parents tell you to do. You're there to turn that place around. We exist on earth to change this place. And tonight, I'm going to start to hopefully stoke the fire that's in your heart that knows you were called to be great and knows you were born to be different and knows that you were called to, be, to stand out and make a difference in this world. Because I know for every single person in this room, young adult, youth, adult, it doesn't matter where you are and which stage of life, all of us know there's a level of progress we need to make. We haven't yet made it yet. I've been doing this journey with God for 14 years now, and I've learned every time I think I've made it, I look up and I'm like, damn, I got far further to go. There's something more to do. There's more people to impact. There's more people to influence. There's more within me that can come out of me to impact and change the world around me. And that's why you get frustrated because you are constantly in this position, but within you, you know you can be over here. That time I was talking about when you become independent and you start to think and act for yourself is the same time you start to realize there's something special, unique about you. There's a greatness in your life, and I believe for every person in this room, you've had a moment like that. And when you start to really recognize that moment, you get to a little bit frustrated because you're constantly here, but you can know you can achieve this thing here, right? That's why you get disappointed when you don't do as well on an exam. 
That's why when you don't get picked for a team or you don't get picked for a job and you face that kind of disappointment, you get frustrated because you know within you is better. You know within you is greater and God has put that there. Why has he put that there? Because you're here for one reason, to change the world. Why do I have the best job in the world? Because I get to encourage teenagers. You can do it. And tonight it's a privilege to be able to say to you as well, we can turn this place around. We can make a difference. It just starts with the decisions we make daily. I'm going to read a quick scripture, and then I'm going to read some testimonies from Revolution Tour. If you don't know what Revolution Tour is, I've explained a little bit. We do go into schools, and we get to inspire kids, motivate kids, show them that no matter what life throws at you, you could be in your darkest place now. If you hang on a little longer, things get better. If you're in a good place right now, you've got something to give the people around you. You can make a difference. One small act can change the world. Whilst I love saying to young people all the time, and I'd love to say it to you tonight, you might not be in the position today to change the whole world, but you are in the position today to change someone's world. And this is what tonight's all about. As people of God, we've got to start to see the people in our world. We've got to start to see these people around us that need what you have. Oh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. This is cool. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It's a very cool scripture. It's going to come up on the screen. I don't usually wear my hat backwards like a skater boy. They just told me off in the last session because um, I was covering my eyes. <laughs> Matthew 5, 14. It says this, you, this is Jesus talking to his followers, and what they say is probably the greatest sermon he ever preached. He says to them, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love reading uh, the Word of God and I love looking for the hidden meanings and things. Sometimes they're hidden in plain sight. Sometimes you've got to dig a little bit deeper. This particular scripture I think is really cool. Jesus is saying to his followers, you are the light of the world. So many of us think God is the light of the world, but Jesus is flipping it on its head and he's saying, you are the light of the world. You need to shine. Don't hide your light. I haven't put a fire inside your heart. I haven't impacted and changed your life for you to go and hide that thing and bury your talents and bury your gifts. I've said you need to shine because you've got to change the world. And so here's the thing. If he's telling us to light things up, it infers that things around us might be dark because light is only effective in darkness. If you light a lighter in the daytime, it's just a cool flame. If you light it at night, it will light up a whole room. We all get that concept. So light is more effective in darkness, which says to us in the scripture, he's saying, hey, you're the light of the world, which means the world that you're in is probably dark. I think it's real funny when I, I read, read stuff like this. I, I like to think darkness is a pretty funny thing. And don't you think it's funny how the darkness plays with your mind? Have you ever gone to bed at night and had your leg, your foot hanging off the end of the bed? because it's a bit hot, it might be a summer night, and just while it's hanging off the edge of the bed there, just suddenly, you know there's nothing, no one can fit under your bed. But for that moment, you start to believe there's something under your bed. And just out of nowhere, you think it's gonna grab your foot, so what do you do? You bring it back under the covers. You would rather be hot than the prospect of an imaginary thing grabbing your foot, right? You ever laying in bed at night, been thinking, and your room is dark, and your closet door is open? You know there's a darkness in your room, but then there's another darkness inside your closet? 
and your, the, your mind starts to play tricks on you. Isn't it funny how the darkness plays with your mind? It's almost like you can imagine something just staring back at you. Isn't it funny how the darkness plays with your mind? I used to live in a place called Titarangi, and we had a really cool driveway. It was a gravel driveway. It was about 80 meters long. It was a dog leg driveway down a steep road in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have a backyard when we were growing up. We just had trees all around our house. In fact, our house looked just like a big tree house. It was quite a cool place, except for when you, get, you had rugby training after school. Because then in winter, it gets dark earlier, so we'd get to Titarangi Village, which is where the bus would stop, and we would have to walk 20 minutes downhill to our house. Now, that's all good because there's lights along the way. The problem is when we'd get to our driveway, there was a street light that would cut off about 30 meters onto the driveway, which means the moment you hit the dog leg, you go into darkness. Now, if the house light wasn't on down the bottom of the driveway, you would have no reference for where you're going. And this is back before we had cool torches on our phone. Just had a Nokia 2215 or whatever it was. Just hold it near the ground so you can see what you're doing. (laughs) So we'd start walking down the driveway, or I'd walk down the driveway at, what, 7 o'clock at night, but it's pitch black. Is it funny how I would come out of the street light and into the darkness, and your senses heighten? It's almost like you can hear everything. And you're just walking around. And it doesn't matter what you saw on the news over the last few weeks. Any bad thing you ever saw is just hiding in the bush right next to you. You know what I'm talking about. Isn't it funny how the darkness plays with your mind? You stand on a twig. Suddenly it snaps underfoot. <laughs> I'm not much of a fast runner, but I tell you what, at nighttime I run real quick. <laughs> Straight down to the house. Isn't it funny how the darkness plays with your mind? Actually, that's a funny one. Does anyone ever been for, has anyone ever been for a run at night and felt like you run real fast? Is that just a me thing? I always feel like I'm a faster runner at night. Someone tried to tell me, oh, it's because you can't see as much. You're processing less, so you feel like you're running faster. I was like, whatever. <laughs> I'm quick. <laughs> Isn't it funny how the darkness plays with your mind? Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world, because I believe there's darkness in this world that is playing with a lot of people's minds. There's a lot of stuff in our world that is crazy and and, and it's not stuff that is new, but it's stuff that seems to have heightened in recent time based on just the way society is. And the reason we go into schools is because I understand ang- depression tackles one in five New Zealanders. Anxiety is one in six. We had 668 New Zealanders take their own lives last year. There's some very real issues going on. There is a lot of darkness around us. You can call the darkness whatever you want. It's a, it could be our own sinful nature, nature. It could be your shame. It could be your past. It could be sickness. But there's darkness around us. And so often we're praying for God. God, you break through into the darkness. God, you pierce the darkness with your light. But God is saying, hold on a second. You are the light of the world. You shine in the darkness. You let people know that this darkness can be illuminated. And how do you do it? You do it through your good deeds. The last verse, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and then glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be a light that illuminates the darkness all around us. Anxiety, depression, fear, suicidal ideology, self-harm, alcoholism, drug addiction. All of these darknesses we can illuminate with our light. That is the charge tonight. 
That is our charge. We can make a difference. We can make a change. I love saying it in high schools. It's so much better to say it here to the people of God. Why is that? Because you've got a never-ending source. The beautiful thing about the gospel, the beautiful thing about your relationship with God is though when you go in to impact these places and when you go to shine your light with your good deeds, you never run out of resource because God gives you exactly what you need. If there's someone in your world that's in darkness that needs peace and hope and love and joy, the cool thing is God resources you for that. He fills you up and you overflow into that situation. How much greater is it for us and how much easier should it be for us to change the world because we've got God on our side. So many of us are waiting for the right time, the right moment. Now is the right time. Now is the right moment. You don't need to be in a place of influence. You don't need to be in a position of power. You don't need to be the key decision maker. You can right now where you are have an impact on the people around you. It just starts with simple decisions, small acts of kindness that will make a big difference. Because it's by your good deeds, not your eloquent words. It's by your good deeds, not your carefully crafted Instagram posts. It's by your good deeds, not your big personality. It's by your good deeds, not how great you are at warming up. It's your good deeds that shine into the world. Here's the thing. Why do we exist? To change the world. He's starting to get it tonight, 6 p.m. You exist to change the world. You exist to make a difference. You exist to bring hope into hopeless situations. It's pretty cool. I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Here's what I, I'm going to do. I'm going to share a couple of stories. I'm going to get my friend Angel to come and sing you a song while I share what we've been able to do on Revolution Tour. I explained a little bit about Revolution Tour. Is The idea is it's the best assembly program any student will ever be in. Uh, the most entertaining, the most funny, uh, but they'll walk away with practical tools on how they can change their life. Tonight, I would love to give you some practical tools on how you can impact the world around you. How did I learn these practical tools? Uh, very simply, when I was growing up, I used to love going to my dad's work. The reason I loved going to my dad's work was because at my dad's work, he had quotes and jokes all over his office wall. I used to read them all the time. There was one particular quote and joke, this uh, quote that stuck out to me. It was a Winston Churchill quote. I read on his office wall at 12 years old. It simply went like this. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I didn't understand what it meant, but I thought it was pretty cool. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Here's what I've learned as I've got older in life. The Bible talks about that similar concept like this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Those who bless others are abundantly blessed themselves. And, and that simply, what does that mean? How do you go from this position to becoming the better version of yourself? How do you go from being in this place where you're existing in life and maybe you're just doing things ordinary and naturally or you're just pacing along, but going to a place where you are thriving and successful and influential and changing the world? It's simple. You just got to learn to give your life away. How did I learn it? I didn't understand it at 12. I understood it at 15. My dad interrupted me at work one day. I used to work for my dad. If any of you have ever worked for your parents, you know your parents work you harder than anyone else in the, work, in the, in the place. Why? Because you've got to be the example employee. My dad showed up to work. He said, Ben, put the machine down. I used to clean public swimming pools. Put the sh machine down and go into the car. As soon as he said that, I knew something was wrong. Because your parents don't say, they don't interrupt you during a job. It's not like your mom tells you to do the dishes at night and when you're scrubbing that plate, she walks up and says, don't worry, baby, I'll finish these for you. That doesn't happen. If that happens in your house, run. Something's wrong. I knew something was up. So I went and sat in the car anyway. I watched my dad put the machine away, close the door, walk around the car. I saw his body lift and his body drop like he was taking a deep breath. I couldn't shake something was up. 
He sat down in the car and he said three words that changed my life forever. The three words were Nathan's passed away. Who was Nathan? Nathan was my best mate growing up. The person I aspired to be like the most in life. He was two years older than me, but that didn't have an impact on our friendship. We used to get along like a house on fire. We would get up to all sorts of mischief. On our way home from school, we had traditions. We'd get up to all sorts of stupid stuff. If he saw a trolley, he'd be like, bro, you see that trolley? I'd be like, yes, bro, I see that trolley. Bro, should we jump in the trolley? Bro, let's jump in the trolley. Should we get down the hill in the trolley? Bro, let's get down the hill in the trolley. <laughs> get up to all sorts of random stuff. What we do when we get home, we tradition, we watch our favorite television shows. We go straight to the fridge. You know what it is. He was my best mate. At school, he was the type of person you'd want to hang out with. Because if you hung out with Nathan, everyone wanted to hang out with you too. He was popular, but he wasn't a jerk. He knew everyone's name in school. He would start soccer games and rugby games, and it didn't matter who you were in the school, you could join in. He was that type of guy. So when the news hit me on that Saturday morning, that was a tough day. That was a hard day. In fact, I don't remember much that day other than crying. And I'm not talking about like the pretty type of crying. This was the ugly crying. You know the ugly crying where your tears merge with your snot into your mouth? Yeah. You can taste the saltiness. Yeah. You know the type of crying where someone says, are you okay? And when you go to say, I'm okay, it just comes out like, yum. <laughs> it, was, it was that type of day. It was a tough day. What was crazy was the way Nathan had passed away. No one saw it coming. In the middle of a soccer game on a Saturday morning, Nathan at the time was the captain of his first 11 soccer team. He was the head boy at his high school, the largest high school in the country. In the middle of a game, Saturday morning, 10, 10 minutes in, he passed the ball, straight after passing the ball, collapsed on the field. Moments later, passed away. No one saw it coming. What was, that was crazy. What was crazy was, was what happened in the lead up to his funeral. As we, I went to his funeral, I sat down. There were three and a half thousand people there at a 17-year-old's funeral. And I couldn't help but look around and ask the question, how can one teenager make such a difference? We had kept in touch, even though we were at different schools, but I never expected to see that. He, he had an impact on my life. I didn't realize he had an impact on so many people. How can one young person have such an influence, an impact on so many people? And when Nathan's mom got up to speak, I, I started to click and understand. Nathan's mom got up and she shared a beautiful speech through her tears. At the end of her speech, she read a story, and the story was sent in that week from a girl called Stacy. The story simply read like this, Dear Mark and Lisa, that's Nathan's parents. I want to thank you for Nathan's life. My name is Stacy. Not many people know this, but I don't like going to school. The reason I don't like going to school is because I don't have any friends. In fact, some days it's so hard for me to get up, put my uniform on, and get out the door. But on the days that I would, if I would be in the corridor and Nathan would walk past, it didn't matter that I was year 10 and he was year 13. <laughs> he would always stop and he would say, hey, Stace, how's your day going? And she wrote, just for the simple fact that he called me Stace, made me feel like we were friends. Because I felt like we were friends, I could come to school. Thank you for Nathan's life, because it changed mine. When uh, Nathan's mom read that story, I finally began to click and understand what that quote I read at 12 years old meant. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. <coughs> that story was one of many I couldn't believe the impact this kid had had. Not just on my life, but on so many others as well. I finally understood we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. No one had cared about the car Nathan had, the shoes he wore, the instruments he had in his room. 
what they remembered was the mark and impact he had left on their lives. And I realized we're the sum total of all of our decisions. What we're remembered for is what we leave with other people, the memories, the impact, the imprint. No one cares about what we accumulate in life. And why was Nathan, Nathan so influential? It was because he had learned to give his life away. At his funeral, I discovered the reason why and how he did that. It's because he knew Jesus. And there in a funeral of all places at 15 years old, I invited Jesus into my life because I recognized there was greatness on this guy's life. There was something significant about him. He was changing the world in a way that I knew I could too. And the how, what was the answer? It was Jesus. Jesus was Nathan's replenishing source. Jesus was everything Nathan had. It was the thing that filled him up so Nathan could overflow. It was bizarre how a 17-year-old still to this day has had one of the biggest impacts of anyone I've ever met. It's because Jesus was his source. I learned, how do you go from this place in life to become the person you want to be? You give your life away. You give what you've got. On a base level, you got something to give. You are the culmination of every experience you've had in life. Your parents, your siblings, the schools you went to, the community you grew up in. Because of that, it's shaped your talents and your gifts. It's made you unique, it's made you special. It means you've got something to offer the world. Something different to everyone else around you. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't build your self-esteem on what other people think about you. That is not self-esteem. That's social esteem. You can make a difference because of what you have on a basic level. You've got hands, you can lend a hand. You've got arms, you can wrap your arms around someone who needs it. You've got a smile, you can smile at someone and make their day. You've got words, you can lift someone up in their darkest time in your workplace or in your university class. You can make a difference wherever you are. Just small acts can change the world. What will we be recognized by? It's by our good deeds. How do we shine light into darkness? It's by our good deeds. It's by being an ear to someone who wants to talk about their life's issues. It's about understanding that I've got words that can lift someone out of the pit they're in, even though they're just blabbing about it and blabbing about it at university. I can make a difference in that place. I can be the answer. I can shine my light into darkness through my good deeds. Here's what's going to happen. I think some of you have got it. If you haven't got it yet, you're going to get it in a minute because it's about to get real. We've traveled the country over the last two weeks and before that, we were in Northland, Tauranga, Masterton. I think in total we've spoken to maybe 33, 34,000 teenagers so far this year and we've got a whole lot more to go. Um, and we've loved it. What have we done in schools? We don't talk about Jesus. We can't and we wouldn't want to abuse anyone's rights. We, we can, I love how Reggie puts it, we can keep our mouths shut about our faith. But what we go in to do is we go in to love kids. We go into their dark days and make them laugh. We go into their dark days and show them you can get through this. And when you get through this, you can help someone else as well. And the byproduct of that is we have had a bunch of kids write back and tell us what they've learned. In a moment, I'm gonna come and read some of those things. But what is it? How did we get to this position? Just small steps, small deeds, which have positioned us to have a great impact. 
How do you get to that place of influence, that place where you can make decisions? That place where you are the boss that everyone, every employee likes, the place where you are the teacher that every student wants to be like, you are the professional athlete that all the players on the team aspire to be. You get to that place by the decisions you make now that determine the type of person you're gonna be when you get there. You got something to give the world. I'll get my friend Angel out. She's gonna come and sing your song. My Angel is only 16 years old. She's been traveling us with us for the last two weeks across the country. Where one of our favorite things to do is let high school students speak to high school students or sing for high school students. Uh, because the greatest people to impact high school students are high school students. Uh, and Angel has been amazing on tour. She's gonna sing for you tonight. Why don't you put your hands together for Angel? darkness and you shine your light these are the types of things that happen you may not ever hear them but I can assure you they're happening these stories I'm about to read are from many of the kids you are seeing in the photos behind us one student wrote in and said hey guys I loved what you did today it really inspired me and I will definitely take all of that into context and help people that are feeling lonely or I'll just ask people who I don't know how their day was. Because you made me see that's all it takes to change someone's life. Thank you. I just wanted to say something. The speech that was given at Tauranga Intermediate School was so moving, I started to cry because I felt so touched. Thank you for changing how I feel. I really felt so moved. And I thank you all for making me smile. We asked students what they learned and loved about our program. One student said the positive, positivity and how inspiring it was. Another student said, I wasn't having a very good day, but when I found out you guys were coming and after the program, I was so happy. Another student said, I was sitting alone and a girl I had never met asked me if I was okay and if I wanted to hang. Another student said, I just love you guys. You're so inspirational. And the words you say make our day. When we're down in our school, we think about you. You're famous. 
We talk about you in school, how your words change a lifetime, how your words change feelings, how your words change us. We love the outcome, we love the humor, and like DJ Khaled, <laughs> that's my alter ego in high schools. I'm the budget DJ Khaled. Like DJ Khaled and many more have, have so many stories to tell us, that, and they're so deep, it changes our mindset. It makes us look on the bright side. You make the bright side real to us. Thanks you, for, to you and the team and for your encouragement. We're grateful for your team and effort. We are internally grateful. By the way, that's off Toy Story, if you've seen that movie, lol. One more before Angel sings. Hey guys, I just wanted to say I love what you guys are doing. And Reggie, man, you brought some tears to my eyes. And like, like you, when you said none of your mates are around, just let it out. And that's what I did. I love you guys. did today inspired me so much I've been through some deep stuff in life and the talk today made me feel so happy and positive it was amazing so thank you for taking up the time to come and see us I was super shocked at the end of assembly when you asked us all to stand up and if anyone needed help you could go to them I feel more safe and connected with my school now another student from Kaipara College wrote this I'd just like to message to let you know how much you helped me you came to my school a couple of days ago, Kaipara College. I'm a year 11, and I just recently lost someone close to me. And I also got dumped by a guy I really believed we'd last together. And I was falling into my spiral of bad habits and thoughts again that I just got out of from being in that spot for five years. You show me that there is life beyond this moment, and it's okay to feel like this. But you also show me I'm not going to be in this spot forever. And even though it, fe even though it feels like the end, Hearing the story about your dad and the stuff really got to me because I've had a terrible relationship with my dad and I always wish he'd love me for me. I don't know. I just wanted to say a really big thank you.
because your speech really made me laugh and it made me feel good and it made my day. Say thank you. This is what happens when you shine your light. When you let your good deeds speak for you. This is how we change the world. Here's what I'm going to ask everyone to do. I'll ask everyone to stand to your feet. We exist for one reason. To change the world. To illuminate darkness. To let our good deeds speak to the world around us. This is Christianity at its essence. This is how Jesus came and changed the world. He was light into dark situations. He let his life and his action do most of the speaking. We can change the world too. We're going to sing and lift up a song. It is my favorite song of all time. When we sing it, you'll probably get why. Good melody, but the words doesn't get better than Save New Zealand. And what I believe is going to happen, there's going to be a rising in your heart of a love and a compassion for your country but also an understanding that you are valuable to our nation, that you are special and you are unique and you are chosen by God to have an impact where you are. So, Equipers Church, 6 p.m., let your light shine. Let your good deeds give your Father in heaven glory. Let's sing this song. out for your community, you reach out for your workplace, you reach out for your family.